Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Alright, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. It is a Friday. Our boy Raja is out at some kids basketball tournament. I don't know. He's, his, his sixth grader is on a nationally ranked basketball team, which I didn't even know was a thing. Like, they never ranked anybody in sixth grade back when we were younger, but I mean, now apparently they Nats do. Skills. Yeah, exactly. So now they do. And uh, so good luck to him uh, coaching that in that tournament that's up in Orlando. So we'll get you all updated on that. But I am pumped because we got David Sampson in joining us, which I think is going to be great because there is a really good baseball debate that's going on right now. And I think we can dive into it. You're somebody who's intimately familiar with that sport. Uh, so I think that's going to be a ton of fun. The NBA playoffs. Uh the Sixers kind of reestablished their seniority, their uh, superiority against the uh, the Nets last night. So we'll dive into all Out that. Out on bead, by the way. Yes, exactly. So we'll get into that. I might even want to hit you on some Jeopardy stuff because there's something happening in Jeopardy, which I think everybody needs to know about. So we'll get to all that. First, are you a shoe guy? Uh, I'm a I'm a thong guy. <laughs> Well, let's cl- cl- clarify that. Okay, good. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that just to make sure we do live in, you know, South, South Florida. Florida there so are, thongs know. are very popular in a lot of ways. But see, what's killing me right now is we do our shoe showdown on Wednesdays where Raja and I bring something out of our closets and we see what the viewers like the best. And there's a pair of shoes right now that just dropped uh, from Nike, the Air Jordan 11 Lows. And like, I want to buy them right now while we're doing this. But I don't know you if want to I go to commercial early. No, 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 no. We won't have to do that. I'll get to that later. Uh, but they are kind of cool. Garnish Snake your wages <laughs> if you don't focus on the show. Trust me, my wages are being garnished by my shoe problem right now. All right, let's do it. Baseball bat flips. I think I have been totally misportrayed in this whole dilemma that's unfolding. I think. Let me read you my tweets. Okay, because this is where this is where things kind of got ugly. Not misportrayed at all. He all right. actually <laughs> is inarticulate and ill-informed. <laughs> that not misportrayed. That could be true, partially true, but I also think Twitter is a really tough place to express your opinions and to have a back and forth dialogue. Your favorite home canal, you know. It is. It is. I, I You're do like a Twitter guy. I do relish in the Twitter back and forth, the Twitter wars that take place, but I don't love trolls. And yesterday I got ratioed pretty bad. I think overall in my tweets, though, I think my ratio of getting ratioed is pretty favorable. So we'll go with that. So the one tweet that got me in a lot of trouble was the road we're headed down by encouraging bat flips is followed by pitchers fist pumping and acting a fool after every strikeout. They already do that. They do not. All right. They do. Then we've got everyone jumping around like idiots in the third inning. Who wants to see that? I do. Now, as you can see, the number there, it's actually grown over the last hour. It's up to 1,200 comments on it. Uh, you had a bunch of baseball writers chime in. You had other former baseball uh, players chime in on it. I think what you're seeing transpire. All right, so let me ask you something. What do you think my stance is on bat flips from that tweet? Well, it's clear. You believe that you want players to act as though they've been there before. And when, when a player hits a home run, depending on the circumstance, yes. your view is a walk-off home run, you're in. Yep. A playoff home run to tie game in the eighth, you're in. But a third-inning home run or even an eighth-inning home run when your team is down nine, you're out on bat flips. Which is exactly my view. So what is wrong with my view? Because I am not anti-bat flip. I'm not anti-fun. I'm not anti-celebration. You're pro-situation. 
I'm pro situation, but I'm also, I feel like I'm pro class, like handle yourself like a consummate professional. I feel like I am pro, uh, sportsmanship. Don't show up the other guy. I feel like I'm pro team as opposed to pro individual. Um, and I don't, I don't understand why there's so much pushback and so much, you're the old man yelling at this clouds and, uh, that's a horrible take. I think it's a pretty reasonable, rational take that actually, if you polled Major League Baseball, I think there would be a, a bigger percentage of current baseball players would side with me as opposed to the kickback that I'm getting on Twitter from a bunch of millennials who sit in, in, in their basement and tweet about it than in actuality what's really unfolding. Boy, that's a lot to handle, but I'm going to start with the last thing first because okay. generally when we did a poll and when you're talking, people sort of tune out, tune out, tune out. Then the last thing before you pause, okay. they focus on. Okay, let's focus on that. So then. what the last thing was is current baseball players. You're wrong about that. What, what, what percentage though? Cause I absolutely, I'd be naive to say that, you know, there aren't a younger generation of player that wants to be more you know, hey, let's build personalities, let's build stars, and they think the way to do that is by bat-flipping and having celebrations. I would put that at probably 30% of players or less. Fewer. No, it's Wait, not. Did you, just, did you just grammatically correct me? Just, it's, <laughs> it's fewer. Okay, it is fewer. But here, here's what I need you to remember when you're thinking about baseball in every sport. Because football, we could talk about your sport. Sure. After every first down in the third quarter, down 20, you've got a guy going like this. First down. Correct. Does that excite you? That should bother you. According to your situational theory, a guy who celebrates a first down or even a touchdown when your team is down by 21 with four minutes left should give the ball back to the ref and not do a thing. Is that right? That's my stance, too. And I will crush a guy for doing it. I'll say he's a bad teammate. He's individual. He doesn't care about what's unfolding on the field. Totally, totally agree. Okay. Here's my view. We're an entertainment product. Baseball, football, basketball. The two of us right here, we're trying to entertain the listeners and the viewers. By doing that, it's okay to let go. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to show personality. All Tim Anderson did was show personality, trying to get his teammates riled up. He threw the bat their direction saying, let's go, let's go. Our team stinks. We're below 500. Let's try to win a game. When a player scores a touchdown or gets a first down, they're saying, let's go. Let's get this rolling. Let's try to win a game. Let's try to score a touchdown. Maybe get the onside kick, which is impossible now because of the new rules. Agreed. So let's let's do something. I think the pushback from you and for you is people mistakenly thought that you're a curmudgeon. Right. And so I don't view you as a curmudgeon. I view you as a guy who's unwilling to understand the difference between certain situations. Okay, so here's here's a couple examples. Because I didn't love Bryce Harper's bat flip when he played against the Nationals. Uh, when he had his, you know, it was the big game. It was on national television. That Watch was it. Perfect bat flip, actually. All right, we could dis- we can agree to disagree on that one. But here's what I actually do like. Because I think there are other ways you can get your guys fired up, and you can do it in a classy way where you're not just putting it all about you. For instance, in a, in a football game where you're saying the guys are, you know, celebrating these touchdowns and they're doing all their touchdown dances. If you, while you're, let's say you're a running back, let's say Ezekiel, who had a great celebration when he jumped in the Salvation Army thing. If, while the play is still unfolding and he's going, he crosses the 50, he's at the 40, and all of a sudden he realizes he's going to get there and he starts doing the Deion Sanders and he's pointing at the defensive back who's trying to catch him and he's going, you can't catch me. And then he crosses. You know what's going to happen to him? He's going to get a penalty on him. Now, that see, that to me I think is a selfish move. But if he waits till he crosses the finish, uh, the goal line, scores the touchdown, does something with his teammates, it's fun, it's celebratory, doesn't show up the other team, I'm totally cool with that. Which is why I think Tim Anderson – 
I actually love, I don't know if anybody even noticed this. They have a dinger chain that they put on after their home runs in the dugout. So after that home run where he chucked it at the dugout and said, let's go, rounded the bases, came in, put on the dinger chain. It's a massive, you know, diamond studded white socks logo. It's awesome. It's great. Even though they stole it from is Miami. It from the turnover chain from the UM? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, which is kind of lame, but I'm trying to be open-minded. The Marlins have a belt that they do for their yeah. players, like see, a championship belt. Which it's is pretty common. I love that. Like, see, that to me is a way you can do it. Bryce Harper, for instance. Does the bat flip also what he does, which I love. He has a different handshake with everybody. Got once he gets back to the dugout, walks to them all after every home run, all the different hands. I love that. Like I think that's fun. That's celebratory. It sells personality, and yet it doesn't do anything to the other team. And as it, an executive, I can't stand the handshakes because I had players who couldn't remember the damn <laughs> signs. So we're going like this. We're going like this. Meanwhile, the player doesn't realize it's a hit and run, or he's supposed to be moving on the pitch or whatever. And then he comes to the dugout and he's got twenty five handshakes <laughs> that he knows perfectly. Explain that to me. <laughs> that is a, that is a pretty good. That is tough to. And that would tick me off if I was a manager or GM, whatever it was. I would be ticked off too. So, to kind of put a bow on this, I am okay with bat flipping, but I also think you should be okay if you're the bat flipper. That if a pitcher doesn't like it, if he feels offended, he has every right to come inside to throw at no you, way. just like Keller did. There is the un- Danny, I think because I say you know what it'll all unfold. Baseball will police itself as it has for a hundred years, and here's my hunch of what would happen: guys would not bat flip on an old school pitcher, and they probably wouldn't have as much success against those old school pitchers. But the younger pitcher, who's you know, there are guys on Twitter who are out there saying pitchers, current pitchers, saying who cares, get him out the next time, like. All right, that those guys are not going to have an, any intimidation. Danny, do you factor. know what the equivalent is? What to a, a baseball player pimping a home run mm-hmm. and then getting into the batter's box and getting plunked by pitchers who are now throwing a hundo with zero command. We're not talking about the old days where you had pitchers like a Greg Maddox. If he wanted to hit you in a space this big, he would hit you there. Now you've got pitchers who don't know where the ball's going. The equivalent, but they don't know where it's going when they're trying to throw strikes either. Like there are other ways you point. can That's send why a message. You can't throw at someone. Yeah, but like Keller hit him right in the butt, which is the perfect Keller had spot. a good one. Yeah, but the point is, the equivalent is if you are a football player and you pimp something out, I think the penalty for that should be that you have to stand there and you get blindside hit by the defensive back just standing there waiting for the next play to start. That's the equivalent of a hitter standing in the box getting beamed. But I, I disagree because football is a fight every single play. So if you showboat and if you show somebody else, you know what? If you're a receiver, you can get drilled the next series and they can take it out on you. Whereas baseball, there is no way to have any sort of retaliation other than throwing inside. Rules. The NFL has made it so all of those hits but it's still physical. become an offensive game. It you has. Totally agreed. The but you can still get the them back with a good hit. Now it has to be a clean hit. And I would obviously never endorse trying to injure somebody like I don't want to see any stars you know hurt because they get hit and it hurts them on the wrist or the hands and they break something they're out for months that could happen but I think there's more likelihood that you could have an accident driving home from the game you know like I mean no but like I don't think that the chances of that are happening I think the lights in the studio may fall on our head you're right (laughs) that is possible it's slim the chances of you getting hit are slim to none I'm just calling you out because I think you love this whole Twitter situation I do I I think that you say things hoping to have this type of response well it wasn't fun I basically got doxxed last night like I mean I got people like bullied I think it's funny because all these people are so like hey let's be nice let's promote individual we don't want violence in our sport and then they're bullying me that's not cool are you okay my feelings are hurt I might have to go to 
therapy this weekend. All right, let's keep it rolling because I do think uh, we just have to agree to disagree. I think it's a fun debate, though. I think it will unfold over the season. It'll be. I do think we're evolving to a plate. We're going to see more bat flips, and then you're going to see pitchers going around doing you know somersaults on the way back. You will. You will. All right, let's move it on because the Sixers, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, thoroughly handled the Nets last night, and I thought it was a really bad look for the Nets on a couple different fronts. I thought they got punked because the Sixers have shown them the ultimate disrespect. Uh, after game two, right? After game two, you had Joel Embiid goes against Jared Allen, goes in the lane, gives him the elbow to the face, almost knocks him out. The guy's bleeding, gets a flagrant one after the game. Joel Embiid is asked about it. Ben Simmons is there. And they're laughing. They're comically laughing at a very serious situation. Have you ever laughed when you've gotten in trouble by your teacher or your parents where you just cannot help it, but you start laughing? Is that only me? Yeah, no, my I daughters do trouble. it. My daughters I do laugh. it. That's my, what I do. My, my oldest daughter does it. If me or my wife get Sometimes mad at her. You can't control it. Yeah, but you got to be a professional in that situation. I'm telling you that I have gotten yelled at so many times in my life, and I laugh. Right? Okay. So you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. Big I time. think they don't care. I think they were like, we would laugh, and we were laughing because we don't respect the Nets. And they're a soft team, and we're going to beat them, and we don't care what they think, and they're not going to do anything about it. And you know what? The Nets didn't do anything about it. I think and I'm they- saying even like from a play standpoint, you saw Jared Dudley try to come out against Ben Simmons, had some interesting comments about him, said he's a half-court player, he's not even that good, and then he goes off on him. Like they They tried to talk a little bit. But they got worked in their own backyard. But if you look at that game, this was not a normal game. And what I was focusing on is Tobias Harris goes 6-for-6 from three points, 28-29 points. He was unstoppable. Ben Simmons, his field goal percentage, I think we have it here. Thank you, Coca. 11-for-13. So when you say that the Nets got punked, I would say the Sixers outperformed. They outkicked their coverage. They played a game like an actual team where I have viewed them all year. As uh, sort of like the 83 Sixers, they did win the title, but they, there weren't enough balls to go around with Lloyd Free and George McGinnis and Julius Irving and remember those guys. So I worry about the Sixers long-term getting through the playoffs. I think getting past the Nets is one thing. I just don't see them getting out of the East. Uh, to the punk thing, Ben Simmons, Jared Dudley's missing threes, and Ben Simmons like celebrating right in his face. There was another time when he went up to him, basically like, Dudley was complaining, but he laughed right in his face. So I think it's going to be an interesting. I, I kind of I want to see more of these rivalries develop when there is a lot of trash talk. I think it Jordan makes it would do compelling. that every game. Oh, absolutely, he yeah. Would punk every player every <laughs> Absolutely. Game. And if you didn't respond, he was going to walk all over you, which is, I think, is what the Sixers are going to do in the series. There is an interesting development, which has kind of been the story of Joel Embiid's career, is injury concerns. Uh, and Rajai and I have talked a lot about this, like, you know, what players that are up and coming would you want to build your franchise around? And anytime you talk about Joel, it's always... Well, he's an exceptional player, exceptional talent, but can he stay healthy, which he's struggled with doing, and now missing last night's game because of this issue, I think it is concerning. Long term, what do you do with him? And I think it's a huge concern. I've got a big man bias because I'm sitting here at 65 inches, (laughs) and my big man bias is it's hard to be that frame on two knees that are the same basic size knees that I have, right? Big guys get hurt more than little guys, in my opinion. Now, there's the Derek Roses of the world, and I get it. Of course. injuries that happen. I worry about all big men because they're schlepping up and down the court. They're carrying a lot of weight. He's a very strong guy, but once your knees go bad, you know, we're runners, right? Yep. If your knees are bad, they stay bad. Knees, knees just don't get better. You can have as many surgeries as you want. I lived with Andre Dawson for 16 years in Miami, and we would talk about his knees all the time. 
And he said, listen, I've had them replaced. I have them worked on. I have massages, PT. It just doesn't help. So I, I worry about him tremendously. Hawk probably couldn't find a good knee doctor, right? <laughs> a little shout out to my dad it's right there. His dad. It's his fault. It's my dad's fault. Um, and to your point, the kind of the rumors, speculation is this arthritis, you know, arthritic condition, which there's no real solution for. Like this could be something that's a pain tolerance issue. And it, I think it would arthritis be incredibly. Arthritis does not get better. Right. I think it could be incredibly frustrating for, and not in a, like they don't like Joel Embiid, but from a teammate standpoint, because what's transpiring now is it's a game time decision every time. And he's basically going out there during warmups and how do you feel? And if, and it's not, again, it's not that they don't like him, but they're, I'm sure there's a frustration that's like, well, man, oh, what's going to happen tonight? We the don't way know. We deal with that. You know that you've been in a clubhouse. We, we as, as management and you as players, you assume that he's not available. Yeah. Anytime we say a player is a game time decision, that's a no. And if he ends up in the lineup or if he ends up in the starting lineup or coming off the bench and in the case of basketball, you view that as a bonus. But we would tell our manager and I'm sure the coaches, uh, uh, Brown in, in Philly, his whole game plan is assuming Embiid is not playing. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Uh, real quick, before we dive into uh, Josh Rose and his situation, Shohei Otani, do you think he's a two-way player still, or do you think that Tommy John will scare them off from letting him pitch it again? It should scare him off, but they're not being. And so he's taking live batting practice on the field for the first time. He's been They're trying to get him his bat back because they think it'll help him. I, and what it's doing is actually delaying his pitching return. So I would be focused. It's harder to get pitching than hitting. The Angels have had a hard time winning anything. They just signed Trout for you know the 13 yeah. years, 430. They've got a chance to have Otani right now for for six years under control. I think you got to focus on one thing and let him be great instead of being good at both. See, now you just pegged me in the previous segment as the old guy, old school. I feel like in a Shohei Otani circumstance, I'm trying to push the envelope because I would love to see more two-way players. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, I'm just, but it's that, hard. <laughs> yeah, to me, showboating is doesn't take skill, right? It takes <laughs> right. desire to be entertaining. It takes personality to be a two-way player in either football or or baseball. It's it's a level of skill that the reason why there aren't is not because we don't want it or because it's legislated against. Is because no one can really do it. Yep, uh, for sure. All right. NFL draft next week, Thursday, first round. We'll have coverage. CBS Sports HQ right here. Make sure you check that out. Are you eligible? Uh, for the draft? Yeah. Nah, it's slightly, it's slightly not. I think uh, I would probably be projected to go exactly the same spot I did when I came out. <laughs> round fourth round, projected backup, good locker room guy. Like you know, it. Can make all the throws, but maybe lack some of the Good Twitter following. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> clearly teams would prioritize nowadays. Um, so the Arizona Cardinals have the number one pick. Most people are under the assumption 
that Kyler Murray, they're going to take him to pair him up with Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, who raved about him. Uh, when he was head coach of Texas Tech, I just think it feels like they're going to swing for the fences. They because I think it was a risky hire to go with Cliff Kingsbury. I think Kyler Murray's a little bit of a risk, but the reward could be high. I think the Cardinals are swinging for the fences. Which and why wouldn't they? Right. What exactly. Do they have to lose when yeah. you've got a Kyler Murray available? Yep. Here's what you don't want to have happen. You don't want to miss. Right. It's better to take Murray and to have him not work out because everyone believes that he has a chance of being great than to not choose him. Take. Mandich, I was just thinking about the offensive lineman, right? Yep. And take a t- an offensive lineman first and realize that Murray becomes a franchise quarterback. Okay. Not worth it. So then that would mean they would basically – you tell me if you think I'm wrong on this – that they would admit they were wrong on Josh Rosen, who no, they selected with a 10th overall they pick They were right year. that day. <laughs> last year they were right. Okay. Remember, it's like the newspaper business or the Twitter business. You don't have to be right tomorrow. You just have to be right today. All right. And they made that pick. They were right. But what happened with Josh Rosen and the marketing video is one of the great stories of the night. So if anybody's listening or watching, it doesn't know what unfolded. So every team had these. They, they were really cool. I give the NFL a lot of credit. A bunch of teams had different hype videos, schedule release videos that they put out. Some were super creative. Uh, the Falcons had a Game of Thrones one. The Panthers had old school uh, video games. And they kind of tied it all in. The, the Cardinals went kind of your basic hype video. Promo video. Music. Yeah. So the first one they put out, do you know how much Josh Rosen was in that one? Hold on. I'm waiting for him. I'm <laughs> waiting for him He's the starting quarterback, 10th pick last year. Wait for it. Zero. Zero. Zero pictures, highlights, anything of Players Josh Rosen. Players notice that. Oh, absolutely they do. And if I'm, I'm already a little on edge if I'm Josh Rosen. And I think he's handled this pretty well. So that comes out. People start talking about it. And I don't know what's worse, to be honest with you, if you're Josh Rosen. The embarrassment of having them leave you out in the first one or the team cutting version 2.0, which splices him in there for some token highlights. Like, I, I don't know which one is more embarrassing. Like, I think it, I think you're probably better off if it just goes away and just, just let a 24 hour rule. Like, yeah, it'll be the butt of the joke and everybody will be making fun of it. But then today's cycle, like even 12 hours, people just forget. Do you and, know that players keep track? So in baseball with the Marlins, we'd put together videos. And what happens is the marketing department would come to the baseball department and to me mm-hmm. and say, okay, we're doing a season ticket brochure. We're doing a video. Here's which players should we – an off-season video. Of course. Which players should we include? Who should we not include? Who's likely to get traded or or not to be good or not yeah. to have a starting job? So we'll go through it. We'll give them the list. Then – in season, do you know the players pay attention to the promo videos? They look up at the board during the game. They count the number of pictures that are in. They keep track, and then they go bitch and moan <laughs> to the marketing and in-game people when they don't get enough love. I love it. And it's so true. I mean, it it's, absolutely I, is I, true. I, I watched it happen. Absolutely. One of the coolest things I ever I only got to experience once was – In a promo video? Well, no, because we didn't even have promo videos back then when I was playing. But being a part of like a promote, like a, a team calendar, right. so the Giants would put out a calendar, and I was Mister November or whatever it was, and I had my own page. I thought that was awesome. But again, it only happened once. Coca, find that. Starter. We need that sheet. We do. We have Is to he find shirtless. That. Like we need. I need detail. <laughs> no, no, they were action shots. Because oh. clearly, it would have been too hot to handle. Fireman's calendar. They would have had me on there with the six pack showing off. Um. So Josh Rosen. I thought last year coming out, which was an epic quarterback class, five guys taken in the first round, I thought he was the most talented, most natural thrower, but I didn't like him from intangibles, leadership, edge, and it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a Jay Cutler, 
Like, I, I just like that's the biggest insult you can I ever know. give to a young player is to say he's Jay Cutler. A little bit of an arrogance, uh, selfishness. He had some epic quotes while he was at UCLA saying, I'm not your typical quarterback. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm not going to be buttoned up. When he got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals at the t- uh, 10th or 11th, I forget what it was, a 10th pick, he kind of, and I don't think this is kind of where I think it was immaturity, he threw under the other quarterbacks that were taken above him. He's like, those guys, and he, he insinuated that they weren't good. He was better. I think there was a better way he could have handled that. So in saying that, I just, I was not a fan. I was concerned about how his teammates would be. Like, who cares about what we think? But what do his teammates think? There was some speculation that UCLA, they didn't gravitate toward him and play for him. So. They want performance, right? They saw them, they saw yeah, him go they don't three care and ten. What, yeah, exactly. So that's and what it was they're bad. And, right now. But to his defense, he didn't have a lot around him. But I also have a hunch that Arizona, having seen him interact with his teammates for an entire year, watching the way he leads, watching the way he goes about his business, that they were more than willing to move on. Again, if it's Kyler Murray's great, but if you're happy with Josh Rosen, you're not taking Kyler Murray. Let me Murray. give you an, one other possible perspective. If they didn't have the number one pick and someone named Kyler Murray were not available as this superstar two-way baseball football guy, I don't think they take a quarterback with the number five pick or the number six pick of the draft. I think they stick with Rosen. But they're so worried about missing out on Murray. Yep that that has become a dispositive in their draft strategy. So that being said, where I wasn't in love with Josh Rosen's, you know, personality, his intangibles, I was impressed and I have been impressed with the way he's handled this. This is about as unfair a uh, situation that could unfold and not just like life is about timing. Right. And I don't think it's anything he's done to himself. I just think he's, it's been bad timing. Like, Kyler Murray is available but now. You're such and- a player, though. It's, it's bad timing. <laughs> no, but Listen, this- he was he was drafted 10th. His team went 3-10, and 10, and Correct. Kyler Murray's available. It's how it goes. All right, he so be the best baseball player in the world. Next year, there's going to be another one who's better. Okay, so we can both agree that sports, professional sports, are cutthroat, that it's very much a business, and you are just treated like a pawn, right? We by, can agree on by that. By the way, the minute you thinks that someone can do your oh, 100%, job percent, you, we're gone. Gone. We say we. Me. Don't say all right. By the way, don't I say you. Gone. Gone. <laughs> exactly. My picture, oh yeah, my I'm gone already. <laughs> right. So agreed. Like that's but a, a business life, but goes. especially professional sports, very cutthroat. I think this is Josh Rosen. I think every professional athlete at some point. I think early in your career, you feel invincible. Like, yeah, I'll be around forever. And there's always that point where you realize, whoa, it can happen to anybody. You know, it could happen to me. It could happen to the superstar. It doesn't matter. And I think this is it. But I think this could actually be a good thing for Josh Rosen. And I like the way he's handled it because I'm surprised. I thought he could have been a guy that might have popped off and might have taken shots at Kyler Murray, might have taken shots at Carl. As he hasn't. He actually was on with SI Now, and he was talking about the situation, and he said – it's annoying, but it is what it is. Football's a business, and I definitely respect the higher-ups and their decisions. We won three games, and each one of those wins, to me, it felt like we won the Super Bowl. And that feeling is so intoxicating, and that's why I just want nothing more than be a part of a team next year and have the same opportunities to go out and compete. And compete. He also went on to say, if they keep me, I want to prove them right. And if they decide to move on from me, I want to prove them wrong. But I really feel like you had to watch the video to see that he was very introspective and calculated and mature in his comments. And I'm, I'm wondering well, if maybe he learned and he's hum- no, humbled somewhat. I, I would say this. He had a meeting with his agent <laughs> and they discussed, this is the real world, right? The agent called him up and said, listen, 
there's a high likelihood Murray's going to be drafted and that they're going to give him the job. You have a chance to have a career here, Josh, but here's what you're up against. You're up against an attitude issue that started in college. You're 3-10 and 10 as the number 10 pick. We need you to dial it down a little bit. Be a little humble because we got to get you traded and get you in a position to succeed on another team. I think it's way more likely that's what happened. I, I maybe I'm too idealistic. Like I, I hope player. Right, right. I'm hoping the guy learned his lesson and he comes back and shocks the world and proves everybody he, wrong. He could come right, back. He could, and he's going to play for another team. Yeah, I think that's where somebody. This, oh, absolutely. You take a chance. Yeah, because like and I think it'll happen before Thursday night when the Arizona Cardinals are on. That they better because they'll get no value for him. But some team. We did a mock draft here the, uh, last night where we did a full first round and we had the Cincinnati Bengals trading a second round pick for Josh Rosen. That's a great value. If I you wouldn't trade a, a second round pick for him. Well, that's the. I was rumors thinking now. maybe a fourth and a sixth. Right. Third and a fifth. Which is a which is an exceptional value. You're going to steal a guy who was the tenth overall pick, and I think that's probably the more likely scenario. Why aren't the Giants the doing that? They could. And they I think they to. might. And I think they, they might. It all depends on how much they like Dwayne Haskett. Cause I, it, in, I'd rather have Rosen. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a interesting debate. It is interesting because you lose the picks. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. Yeah. Gotta weigh it all. We'll do that later. All right. All right. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell, hanging out with David Sampson, filling in for Raza today. So the AL East has been basically flipped on its head with the defending world champs, the Red Sox, at six and thirteen at the bottom of the division. I don't think it's a shock that the Tampa Bay, uh, that the, the Rays are in first right now. The Yankees are in second. I do think some of the records are a little bit alarming if you look at the Yankees being eight and ten. But let's start with the Red Sox. Are we looking at this through a mirror? <laughs> Why? Because I think it's opposite of what it should be. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. It's been flipped upside down, right? Um, so let's start with the Red Sox. On a scale of one to ten, with ten being full out panic mode. One out of the counter panic type mode. Yeah, yeah let's do That's that. Ten. It's ten. Yeah. And one is. One is they'll be fine. They're gonna figure it out. They'll be back. They'll probably go ahead and win the World Series. Again. Am I on the couch in my underwear at one? Like everything's fine. I don't yes. even go to the office. Yes. That's one. Yeah. Okay. I am a solid five. I'm dressed and ready to go to work. But I'm not going to have a meeting quite yet. Which I think is a pretty realistic view. And I think that's probably, I mean, Alex Gore has been on record saying it's not time to panic yet. Um, but where I do think you should be a little bit more concerned is not slow starts, but when guys, and we'll get to the Yankees in a minute because they're a complete mess, but Chris Sale does not look like his usual self. And I wonder why that is. Do you think it's just he's a slow starter? Do you think it's something that's going on that's ailing him? Well, Chris what is Sale the problem? has been struggling. If you look at, yeah. obviously, this year, but they've had to hold him back even when he was on the White Sox, and they would he would have tough Septembers. So the Red Sox were trying something different. You know, coming off a World Series, you're throwing a lot of extra pitches. Take a look at that photo. It was chosen purposely by our guys. Look at what's happening. with. Was it really? Because that's by an the exceptional way, job. By our research department. That's not normal. No. Right. Anytime any pitcher is doing that, which is every pitcher, every pitch, there's only a certain amount of pitches you have in that arm. And for me, the first thing you lose, everyone says velocity, they don't have it right. The first thing you lose is command. And Sale is a command guy, and he has lost it. And he used to be able to walk up to the catcher, place the ball in the catcher's glove, strike one, strike two. Now, Sale's release point, I don't like it as much. He's not down where he used to be in the three-quarter, which means the hitter is seeing the ball faster and sooner, so getting better swings, better looks, and it's leading to an all-out problem for Chris Sale. Cora then went out, Danny, and said, hey, 
he's been bad, but this start coming out, he's going to be great. And I don't like when my manager does that because that's putting a lot of pressure on this next start for sale because if he doesn't pitch well and gives up a bunch of, you know, duck farts and a bunch of runs, all of a sudden, where does Cora go from there? So I actually, I was watching his home opener, the, um, you know, opening day when they paid the Blue Jays, I believe it was, and Chris Sale was on the bump. And the velocity was still there, correct? Like he's still around 93, 94. Last start he was 97, 98. Right. So he's still upper echelon there, but a lot of guys can do that. But can they control it? Is the movement still there? Is it as filthy as, cause he was probably one of the most unhittable pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. And then it was interesting because after the game, I actually was watching MLB Network and was watching Al Leiter, and they had that beautiful screen, which we need here, by the way, at HQ, that beautiful screen that's like the entire wall, and they were breaking down. He was saying exactly what you're saying about how if you had a pitcher that you were trying to teach how to throw with proper mechanics, you would say, don't do it like this guy. you know. But he was saying, like, this is one of the things that makes him so special and pointed out some of those flaws that you you did. Do you think they will regret the five-year, $145 million extension? You're not watching me on the queue every day. I had them regretting it starting from day one. It was an unnecessary extension brought about by PR. People were screaming. It was like the DeGrom extension. It made me crazy. Who's running that team? Why is it when the public says sign him? You have to sign him. You can't trade him. I love trading players when the public said don't trade him because it's better to trade a guy a year too early than a year too late. And for sale, to sign him a year too early is just a mistake. All right, so you're at a five on the Red Sox panic meter. We need a better name. I think you had a better name for it. Uh, let's do it with the Yankees because the Yankees' record is better at eight and ten, but their list of injuries is growing and it's getting worse and worse every single day. Where is your panic meter on the Yankees? So with the Red Sox, I told you I'm dressed and on my way to the office. Yep. With the Yankees, I've been in my office and I'm on my second meal. I'm <laughs> not yet a 10, but I'm a solid six and a half approaching seven. I don't like the way they looked against the Royals last night. I don't like the fact that their depth for a team that is supposedly, you know, has this great farm system. They have this great payroll. Their depth is being tested in a year like they couldn't have imagined. They signed Severino to $40 million over four. He's out till July, August. So I would say that he, the likelihood of him being helpful this year is de minimis at best. They've got CC Sabathia, who I think is our age combined. Yeah. So And his knees are worse than Andre's and worse than... Weren't we talking about a guy with bad knees before? Yep. Joel Embiid. Yep. Worse than his. And they're counting on him. I worry about the Yankees tremendously. Stan with his biceps already is going to miss a month. At what point do you say that this team, as put together by Cashman, is not going to win the World Series, which was their mandate by Steinbrenner? Yep. We must win. This could be the first decade they've gone in millennia without winning. If you're Cash, if you're Cashman, Brian Cashman, are you just chalking this up to bad luck? Are you looking at the way your team is training? Are you looking at the, like, what are you, how do you evaluate this? So if I'm Brian Cashman, the GM, of course I'm saying bad luck. Right, right. If it's not bad luck, then it's me. Right. Right. But I'm trying to look if at I'm different the team reasons. President, I'm looking at the training staff. Right. I'm looking at how our spring training was. Did we do anything differently? Did we throw too much, throw too little? I'm looking at the off season programs. I'm looking at are these injuries of luck? I would talk to your dad all the time about injuries of circumstance versus injuries of bad luck. Very different. A bad luck injury. You run into a wall, you break your wrist on a hit by pitch, you cannot legislate against that. 
but a bad luck circumstance injury is when you have not put your team in the best position to stay healthy. So if I'm Cashman or the team president, I'm looking at that. Yeah, I think you have to look at every, you have to uncover everything. Uh, I want to get to another bad luck injury, uh, by Blake Snell that was the uh, worst luck you can have. Do you think Aaron Boone survives a season if they don't? Yes. You do. Yeah, it's not Brian Cashman and Randy Levine, you know, and, and Steinbrenner, the, the front office there, you know, they're not going to be as, as impulsive as I was with managers, right? One bad season, you're fired. We'll start again. Right. I think that, you know, Boone has a much longer leash than that. But there's no doubt that the Yankees have pressure to win that the Red Sox don't have this year. And usually teams with pressure respond to it. And the Yankees, with their injuries, have not been able to respond. All right. So we talked about, you know, bad luck versus circumstance. So one of the worst luck injuries you could have happened to Blake Snell. I'm not buying it. All right. So we talked about this a little bit the other day. I was passing you here uh, when you were getting ready to go on HQ. So he's the reigning Cy Young winner. Incredible young talent. He's supposedly moving furniture give the in his story. bathroom. All right, no, what is the real story? He was in the shower. Okay, yeah. He got he out of the shower yep. and then decided to move furniture. In his towel. I would need you to picture this, right? You put a towel, right? You yep. tie the towel. Yep. And it's wet on the floor. You're on a bath mat. Yep. But then have you ever done anything where the towel's starting to fall off and you try to catch the towel, yes. but you're in the middle of brushing your teeth and then toothpaste gets all over? Or you're in the middle of doing something while the towel comes off yes. and you don't want to just be right naked right there for whatever reason? Yes. You've got kids around or whatever. Yep. So I want you to picture Snell, the <laughs> towel falling off while he's moving furniture. He's trying to put the towel on. Then the furniture falls because it's a two-piece set instead right. of a one-piece set. And then it falls on only his fourth toe. I looked at my feet all night the night of that injury, <laughs> and I was thinking, how do I drop something just on my fourth toe? Yeah, it's hard to explain, right? Hard to explain. It's harder to do than it is to explain. And I've seen a lot of DL where players come up with stories yep. that are so ridiculous I can hardly contain myself. All right. So do you have a <coughs> conspiracy theory of what really happened? Because Raja had a good one. He said he was probably mad and kicked something. And then you kicked something and that, you know, got your foot. Do you have a, do you have a, yeah. was he partying? Was he? We had a player, um, who is someone I like very much, AJ Ramos. And I'm, and I'll, AJ, I'm sorry. I'm spilling it. You're going to out him right I'm here. I'm outing you. I'm outing you right now. You're still going to sign, rehab your shoulder. Everything's going to be fine. AJ, remember the time that you said you got hurt because you were carrying something, lifting something or in your sleep, you slept on it wrong. But in fact, you hit your hand against the dugout wall. Remember that AJ, <laughs> right? I love you, man. That <laughs> happens. Players do stuff and then they don't want to say the reason why they did it. To me, this is way more consistent with a kicking injury, not a drunk injury. We've seen a lot of those over the years. Right. That sort of, you fall down, right? I fell down carrying the suitcases. I tripped up a flight of stairs while putting my kids to bed, carrying the eggs home from Whole Foods. Right. Negative. That's at 4 a.m. stumbling <laughs> back to the hotel. This one seemed like a kicking injury to me. All right, so let me just defend players again one more time here because Brian Greasy was the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He encountered an injury, uh, and his excuse was he was walking down the stairs, and his dog took him out while he was walking down. Now, there was a ton of speculation that he was drinking, having a good time, and might have fallen because of that. I believed it. Everybody, like, they all said, oh, there's no way it was his dog or whatever. Now, in my old age, I found out that he had a golden retriever. We just got a golden retriever about 
two years ago. In those two years, do you know how many times I've been almost taken out by my golden retriever? I kind of believe Brian Greasy now. I think maybe he actually did get taken out by his golden retriever. I'm going to say the chances of that are about <laughs> 4%. <laughs> All right. But th- you're saying there's a chance. I'm right. All right. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Kinell and Bell. Hanging out with David Sampson on a Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. You Have you seen what's going on on Jeopardy? Are you aware of the greatness what that we're watching on What is the unfold? greatest player of all time? Yes. What's his name? Holhauser? Something like that. I should have probably looked. Yeah. The dude is a freak. Like, we are he went through a show and didn't get one wrong, by the way. 40 for 40. We're seeing the Michael Jordan of Jeopardy. I know Ken Jennings probably is not happy about That's this debate. Early to t- no, no, it's Ken done. Jennings. It's done. I'm going to be nope. the first one to say it. He's going to pass Tweet Ken it. Jennings. He's Tweet already- it right now. But see, I feel like, have you ever, because you've done some celeb, you did Survivor. Have you ever thought or have been approached to do Celebrity Jeopardy? So, no, I, d- I would play Jeopardy, though, in college. Every day, my roommate and I would play it to see who would pay the bills. Really? So we had we had electric bills and heating bills. I was <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin. of course. No cell phones back then, of course, and there were no cars back then. It was just horse and buggy. So who was going to you know shovel the crap at the end <laughs> right. of the day? And so we would play Jeopardy every single day for money. I love it. Were you were you pretty good? Uh, there were moments. There are categories that I was really good at, and categories where you just your fingers off the button, right? And you hope that the guy, the other guys, get it wrong. Well, one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and I haven't watched every episode of this run, but there was one that I actually caught, and it was kind of like probably his fourth episode of this run, and there was another girl, another woman that was on the show with him. And she was visibly getting irritated that she couldn't get the buzzer in time. So she's holding it up like this, and you could see her, and she's like, Do you know going the really, rule? really hard. You know the Jeopardy rule? What is it? I did not know. I'm going to tell all of our fans right now. The secret. You can't do, right, everything done prematurely is not good. So start with that. There's no premature <laughs> button pushing. Okay. And you can only, you can't do this. Right, the she was trying to do that. She was holding it work up there. <laughs> because there's a reset function. So the people who do it and you practice this, it's the first one to press it after Alex is done reading the full question. So you can't do it. Like if you read fast and press it, you're out. He's got to verbally say sentence. it, finish it, then you press, then you get called. Has to it. finish the answer. Good stuff right there. Uh, clearly, that dude's not only a genius, but he's got the timing down right too. And you practice that before you go on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the NBA because the Lakers are a complete bleep show. We'll just put it at that. Uh, with what's happening right now, Magic steps down. Now they're trying it's the to the best thing that could have happened to them. By the way. Oh, I think so too. I think Magic was way over his head. Uh, it was, and it wasn't good. He didn't like it. No, no, exactly. They're better off. Oh, totally. Uh, I don't know if they really are though, because the person who brought in Magic is still there and Jeannie Buss. My question, like, do you think Jeannie she's Buss? She's the owner. She's not going anywhere. Do you think she knows what she's doing though? Yes. Jeannie Buss is fine. The issue with the Lakers is they've got to figure out LeBron James when they signed him, they were giving him the power. You knew very well Luke Walton was done the minute LeBron signed. You knew very well that Magic was nothing, right? And mm-hmm. he did not want to play second fiddle to LeBron. He likes the idea. He even said it. I like the idea of tweeting and going around and doing whatever I want. You can't run a basketball team. You can't run any team if you're going to be that irresponsible. Own it like Magic did and move along. Right now, the Lakers are going to hire Ty Lu. We know that's going to happen. That's because LeBron is much more focused on, unfortunately, at this point in his career, on his producing career and all of his other talents outside of L.A., which is why he chose the Lakers to begin with. Therefore, the Lakers knew what they were getting into, so no one's unhappy. Jeannie Buss, she has the marketing. She's making the money. Her asset value is going up. Everyone's fine out in L.A. Would you 
Because you have an opportunity if you're Jeannie Buss, which has been kind of a mess to, so since Magic steps down, that you just clean house, maybe move on from Rob Palinka. Do you Rob still Palinka have is a in guy? Him? You need a GM like Palinka. Palinka is not the guy who's making the final decision and doing the final pitches on getting free agents or getting LeBron or figuring out who the coach is. That's not what Palinka's job is at all. You've got Buss doing that along with LeBron. Right. That's the more important thing. I really wish that LeBron would just take over and because he's, he's this passive aggressive coach on every team he's been on or, and or GM. Like he's making all these moves. He and Rich Paul are it's orchestrating all these things. I don't think it's passive. Well, because he won't, he would never admit it. Like he would never but say, we all know it. Right, that's why I think it's passive, right? Like, cause I think he has always has an out. He always can say, no, no, no way. I would never do that. I wish he would just own up and they would let Rich Paul run the front office and LeBron would be player coach and say, all right, you really want to do this? Let's give it to you. Well, I don't think he would ever take not it. not going to let him be player coach. No. Bill Russell was a player coach and really good at it. Uh, LeBron has way too many outside interests. He's way too late in his career. And, and do you think that he became a Laker because of the money that he's being paid from a salary standpoint? No. He or because of the great franchise? He wanted to be the next Magic Kareem. He wanted to be on the Mount Rushmore of Lakers. No. It was his post. Remember, when you're done being an athlete, what is he, 36, yeah. 37, 38? Younger. 40? Yeah. Let's say he plays till 40. That's a kid. He's got his whole life. He's setting up his next life. He's not going to sit back. He will not end up running a team like Magic tried to. He's not going to be a coach like Isaiah and Larry Bird tried to in the NBA. He's going to be a mogul. He is. He wants to be a mogul, period. He will try to own a team, guaranteed, along with D. Wade. They yep. want to own a team. But he's not going to bother himself with coaching anything like that. Uh, so when you were in this process, because you've, you've said here multiple times, I went through managers year after year, the quick trigger finger, right? What was the process like? Did you already have a guy in mind that you were going to bring in? Did you interview five guys, three guys, or just the guy? I would say our, our, my mind was always open a sliver, but only a sliver. It had to take someone interviewing to really bowl me over. Uh, we always had someone in mind who we wanted to interview, but of course, we had to follow the rules. We had to interview. You have to interview minorities. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, though, in, in many cases, they're the best hire. You want to hire the best manager. We, uh, one of the things about the Rooney rule, running a team, I wanted to hire the best. I didn't care about color. I didn't care about age. I didn't care about sex. I wanted someone who could deal with the front office and deal with the players. I didn't need a rule to help me figure out. And when I think about all my managers, I look back and realize at the time they were there, other than Brandon Hyde, who he was just interim, it was we thought the best person for the job at that moment. At that moment. Right. I think the Rooney rule is an absolute joke because I don't think the teams take it seriously. They, they do it because they have to. And then it almost makes a mockery. And if I was a minority coaching candidate, I'd be kind of offended. Like, you're not really – you're just doing this to fill a quota. We had minority managerial uh, candidates come in and say, are you only doing this because it's the rule? And we already start with the presumption of guilt. Right. And so we're saying, sitting here as a white, guy, you know, Jewish guy, 5'5", five, five, a buck 35. No, I swear to God, we want to interview you. And I absolutely meant that. Right. I agree. Get rid of the rules. Do the right thing. Hire the best people. Win the most games. Absolutely. Because NFL, even though this rule's been implemented, they still have a problem with not enough minority coaches. So hopefully all the leagues can figure it out and we'll get some more equity there. All right. That's it for us. Blazers, I'm Thunder back, tonight. Canal. Yeah. We're going to see you. I think you're back soon. And we're going to get your get picture up behind you. Raja's back on Monday to break down the entire weekend of the NBA slate. Enjoy the weekend.